Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Compass Point. Uh, we are back in the studio, and today with me is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How are you, Paul? Well, I'm doing good. We're a little late. Um, I know. But mostly we're a little late because you just got back from a trip. You want to tell us a little bit about your uh, album that's coming up? This is pretty exciting. We're yeah, excited this so Sunday to hear that. I just uh, released a Christmas album. The whole thing dropped on Friday. It is called Presence. Uh, and I was out in Alberta playing a couple shows, getting away with my wife, Rachel, which was uh, lovely, lovely to do that and be able to play through these songs. Um, I hope as you have entered Advent, uh, whether it is my music or some other music or a devotional or something, I hope you've had the chance to enter into the Christmas story and to kind of, uh, marvel at the wonder of God's presence with us and what that means for our presence with each other. And that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Not directly, but we're talking about joy. Yeah. Why don't you give us a little recap from Sunday, Paul? Yeah, so we started an Advent, uh, you know, our, our first week of Advent, and we're sort of leaning into this uh, traditional uh, time of year in the church calendar. Now, we are doing things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we were following the, you know, liturgical calendar, we would be beginning with um, hope, hope, and then peace, and then joy, and then love. But we switched things around just because we're... Uh, working through some scheduling things. We have a guest coming in a couple of weeks, which we're really excited about. Yeah. Um, but we started off with the idea of joy. And we talked about the idea that, um, you know, Christmas is a time of year when the nighttime is one of the best times. Mm-hmm. And because all of the lights outside and the way that people use all the lights and everything co- uh, creatively to create a bit of a feel, um, you know, at a time in our in in the year where things are kind of dark and dreary, and cold, um, and the nights come early, you know, we light up our streets, uh, with, with colorful lights. And I think that there's something really cool in that. I, I really came to this like thought that, you know, that, that the fact that Jesus comes into the darkness, uh, of, you know, questions and wondering and not having all the answers is actually really, really powerful. And Mm -hmm. so that part of Christmas, the fact that nighttime becomes the best time, um, can actually be reflected in our experiences, however dark they might be, um, you know, just to remind us of how brilliant the light is uh, against that backdrop. Yeah, and I mean, Christmas originally was on the calendar around the winter solstice, right? The, right. the um, shortest day of the year, the shortest daylight of the year, uh, which we certainly up here in Canada feel. Um, the days are getting darker, right? They're, yeah. they're shorter, um, but there is something wonderful driving around just really yeah. practically, right? I don't know. I haven't done it yet. Um, drive around and see the Christmas lights. Yeah. And, and there's like such beauty of these yeah. lights shining in the darkness. Totally. Um, when we were out in Alberta, we didn't see it sadly, but um, if we'd been a little farther north, the northern lights yeah. were, were happening. Um, and something that my wife longs to see at some point. And it, yeah. I've seen it a couple of times. It's truly incredible to see these, this light dancing across the darkness. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And so, and yeah, it's amazing. And Advent is really about like a, a time kind of thing. It it puts mm-hmm. us in a particular place in time. It kind of brings us in history to a point before Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that point in history, it was a point of silence. It was like 400 years since the last yeah. prof- prophet said something. And then, G- and then the, you know, the birth announcement. And so there's this like this period of silence and darkness that we're sort of purposefully putting ourselves in, in order to see the birth of Jesus for what it really is. Mm-hmm. So that now we're in this period 
even after the birth of Jesus, that still isn't perfectly brought to fulfillment. And so we're looking forward to a new day, but we are actually in a period of waiting and in darkness now. Yeah. And so it's a it's it's really powerful and it's a good way to sort of enter into the season, I think. Yeah, there's this amazing thing that happens when we when we enter the story and the fullness of the the narrative of scripture and the Bible, right? We we see ourselves um in, in the story, we see ourselves as the shepherds or, or whoever, right? Like waiting and not knowing. And then we, we understand that still to come is this birth yeah. announcement, which is amazing. But we also understand what happens after that. Yeah. Uh, Jesus's life and death and resurrection and the hope that brings. And we hold as followers of Christ the fact that um, where we are now isn't the end. Like right. the fullness of the coming kingdom is coming and that the like, you know, yeah. we've the light has broken in, but like the light will overwhelm the darkness completely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, yeah, we kind of live in like in the past, we live yeah. with hope of the future and we live holding these tensions here and now. And as we, as we journey through our own waiting and darkness and wait, like waiting isn't fun all the time, right? right? Like waiting to open a present is fun. Sure. Um, and like, we know waiting for Christmas is like, it's great because Christmas is coming, but I know um, in all of our lives, uh, Sometimes waiting is really terrible. Yeah, it's really nobody, dark. Nobody chooses the waiting room, right? Right. Like if you yeah. if you have a choice, they're like, hey, you can sit and wait in this waiting room for you know three hours for a procedure. Maybe you're in the ER at yeah, a hospital yeah, yeah. or something, um, or you know you can go home and we'll call you or whatever. No right. one chooses to sit in that waiting that yeah. space of waiting because I and I think a lot of us you know, are in this place where we want to get things done, especially around Christmas. Mm. And so the activity and the bustling and all of that kind of stuff, it actually kind of like makes us feel alive. And the waiting sort of has this like deadness to it. And yet we're called to be in that space. Right. We keep ourselves so busy that we don't have to think about the waiting. Often. Right. Um, and, and yet like here we are in Advent and we're starting on joy. Like, right. like there's these really strong contrasts through Advent, right? Yeah. Like we're waiting and it's dark and joy. Um, so talk to me a little bit about yeah. joy and why joy and happiness aren't the same thing. I know yeah. So, so we, we put ourselves in the shoes or the sandals or whatever of mm -hmm. Mary. And, uh, I, you know, I talked to my wife, um, after on Sunday and, you know, Mary is one of her, uh, you know, she, a favorite character to be reflecting on during the Christmas season, because I think sometimes, you know, she becomes sort of secondary to the story, at least in our mm -hmm. evangelical circles. Um, and yet, you know, here is a young woman who has hopes and dreams just like anybody does, um, plans for the future, you know, things laid out. You know, she had this this guy that she was going to marry and all of these kinds of things. And, and she gets visited by an angel that says, oh, um, you know, God's chosen you to be the one to bring the savior of the world and the king of kings into life, into life. And, uh, and she's kind of like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> which is the weirdest kind of response. Cause you would think that there's so many things that, you know, she'd be like, wait, what, what? Um, and yet there's this humble acceptance of God's plan. And I think at the root of the kind of joy that we're talking about, a humble acceptance of God's plan is really where it all starts. Mm. Yeah. And, and you mentioned about happiness and, and joy. Clearly there's a difference. Um, sometimes yeah. I think we overplay the difference though. Okay. Like we, we talk about like, especially in churches, we're just like, you know, joy and happiness are not the same thing. They're right. not the same thing. Right. They're not the same thing. We can choose joy even yeah. when we don't feel happy. Right. And, th and th those things are, are, are accurate. Mm. 
But my point is that if your joy doesn't feel a little bit like happiness, right. then maybe it's not joy. Like right. it should resemble um, happiness. Like there is this sense of lightness, of levity. Um, mm-hmm. Joy is is deep seated. Certainly, it's something that is chosen. It's more foundational. I use the example that like yeah, I, I don't know where I read it somewhere that like you know happiness depends on happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you want to yep. keep it that way, it's like there's ups and downs to our happiness, but joy is more deep seated. Um, but it still resembles happiness in yeah. a way. Yeah, and I th- I think there's something um, there's like the interplay of our emotions and our choices, right? And how we like I think our emotions are an incredibly important and good part of what it is to be human, but our emotions are not the ultimate thing, right? Like they can't they can't control us. In some ways, we need to have uh, a deep awareness of our emotions and the ability to interact with them. Well, and I'm no counselor or psychologist, so uh, there are many people who know this yeah. much better than I do. But um, I, I do think, like, if if we think happiness is just the emotional outcome of our circumstances, then I think joy does pull it back a little bit to like figuring out how to choose and to see things a little differently, sure. um, which can be yeah, for sure. And, and I think you know, I use the example from Philippians. Um, you know, the you know the Apostle Paul saying like, "Look, I've known what it's been." to have a lot and have a little, and yet I've learned the secret to be content. And I think, you know, joy uh, has a sense of contentment to it, right? Mm. It's a, and um, I actually read, and I think I quoted someone that, that said that the the Sunday that, that, um, that joy is the emotion of hope. Right. Which I think is, is a helpful way of looking at it as well. It's the way that we, it's the way that, that hope is manifested in our, in our bodies and in our feelings and in our, you know, and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, these, these four words we're, we're going through at Advent, right? They're also intertwined as they often are. Um, joy, hope, love, peace. Um, we, we find joy from the fact that we are loved and, and we experience peace because God is in control and all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for those who are struggling in this season to find joy... Yep. What would you recommend? You know, I mean, I I want to be very clear that um, that you know one of the great things about preaching. So let's just kind of go on a bit of a tangent here. Um, one of the great things about preaching, and the reason that I think preaching is so important, because there are there are uh, lots of really really great people to listen to. You know, if you want to go online and learn something about something, you know, mm. go find it. You know, you can read it in a book. You can, you know, whatever. Preaching, though, comes from a person who knows your experience. And and um, and I don't know all of you and every single part of your experience. But if you wanted to have a conversation with me and share what was going on, you could, right? Yeah. Like, you can't do that when you read a book or, you know, whatever. And I think that the beauty of preaching is that when I stand there and I share things, I have you in mind, like people who I meet, Mm. stories who I know. And so when we talk about joy, I am not pretending that people are not going through difficult things right now. And I know there are people who are facing challenges beyond, you know, what seems like we can bear. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and yet, in the midst of this, I still believe that joy is a possibility because joy is not dependent on our circumstances. But even more than that, joy is dependent on God, who is faithful and good and rock solid, right? Yeah. And so when we put our joy externally, not to just the things that are happening in my life, but to someone, someone who is outside of me, 
um, then it is it is much more foundational and strong, mm. right? Yeah. Um, because because that's the you know like so an example is when when Elizabeth speaks to Mary when she comes you know running in and and she's sharing what she had just heard. Elizabeth's response is blessed is the one blessed is another word for happy actually, Mm -hmm. but it also is kind of including this idea of joy blessed is the one who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Right. People who are truly filled with joy are, are those who believe that Jesus, that God is faithful to his promises and that Jesus as an example of his love and his faithfulness is something that can inspire us to find joy even now while we're waiting. Right. And I think it's also important to remember that um, being a person of joy doesn't mean being a person of like external joy 100% of the time. Right. Like I I think of, um, again, I think of the Psalms and I think of David who, you know, man after God's own heart um, and yet wrote things in the Psalms that were like, well, I don't even know how I feel about like saying that about people I don't like. It's pretty strong. Um, But always came back to the fact that God is in control and that I'm going to give my control over to you and I'm not going to like express it in my own way. It doesn't mean not having frustrations or doubts or struggles. Mm-hmm. It means also holding them in tension with the fact that we we are choosing joy and that mm-hmm. we are finding joy in things. So like I think of the people in our congregation, yeah, as as you and I, as you prepare sermons, as I prepare worship sets, like we, yeah. we think through our congregation. Right. We, we pray for the people we know. And we know that there are many who we don't know as well and lots of things we don't understand in a church our size. But um, we we think about them and, and we Absolutely. invite people into that and we don't expect them to be instantly like, Oh yeah, of course, joy. I'm just going to be full of joy hundred yeah. percent of the time. But it's this invitation into, um, I hope into, into the way of Jesus, into what he is doing and what he offers. Um, yeah. That and is I, so good. And so I think, I think it, you know, I talked about a couple of things that come from this passage, uh, the Magnificat, which is, yeah. you know, when, when Mary sings this song and, and I, you know, I'm really struck by this idea of of God being mindful of us, hmm. um, and he, he she talks about this that that he is mindful of her, but not just mindful of Mary, mindful of Mary's condition or her situation or where she is. And so, I think that for me, you know, part of where joy begins is knowing that God not only knows who we are, mm-hmm. but He cares deeply for uh, where we find ourselves. And, and that I think is, is really, really, uh, important because he knows our circumstances and, and our, you know, whatever our circumstances are as, as difficult as they might be, they don't disqualify us from being on God's heart. Yeah. And, um, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Oh, it's so good. Um, joy. Where else can we go with this, Paul? What else do we have to explore here? Um, yeah, I think I think one of the things um, I, I I heard from um, uh, someone who was really really finding uh, a difficulty finding any kind of joy or happiness, hmm. and uh, they were given a, a bit of a task to do, and that was, and I think I've shared this on a podcast before because it was it was sort of impactful for me, but to sort of. Um, you know, look around the room, you know, find yourself wherever you are. And maybe you can do this right now if you're in the car or whatever. Just look around the space that you're in mm-hmm. and see the different things that that you have that could represent things that you are thankful for. Mm-hmm. Because there's a there's a very strong correlation between uh between joy and uh gratitude. 
right? Right. And so when we start looking around and seeing the good things, because, you know, Mary said, um, you know, the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And we, you know, we might be thinking like, okay, like what? Like what did what did God do for Mary? Because yeah. all we know about her life was pain and difficulty and challenges and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, she could identify those things that God had done for her. And certainly we can look bigger and say, above all else, we know that he's died on the cross for us. Above all else, we know that he cares deeply for us in those ways. But I also think that we can look around and be thankful for the small things that he's done for us. And, mm. you know, he has done great things for us. And and I think that, you know, that connection to gratitude might be a good place for people to, you know, kind of recognize, okay, God's got a plan here and I'm going to, I'm going to lean into that. Yeah. And I think it, it can often, I mean, comparison, what is it? They say comparison is like, the enemy of gratitude. Right. Um, yeah. Like it can often feel like really hard if I'm comparing myself to my neighbor or someone else, like, well, I don't have this or I'm going through this thing. Um, but even in these dark seasons, I feel like there is much to be thankful for. Uh, one, one of our Advent traditions in our house is reading through this little book called All Creation Waits, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little reflection every day on animals at this time of year in Michigan. It was written out of Michigan. So very like, feels very local, you know, this interesting like, and it's the time of year where things um, or animals always almost die, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like through the winter, like it's, it's crazy what happens. Um, But like digging into this season where they're like away and asleep and you don't notice them, you, uh, I've learned reading this book year after year to like, so appreciate and find wonder and joy in these like small details and small things. And I think the same is true for the dark seasons in our lives. Yeah. Um, I know sometimes really hard things have, have made me feel sorry for myself. And when I stop, I can look around and and realize actually like the way that the community around me is showing up right now, the way that people are caring for me, like I am so thankful for that. Um, and it doesn't fix all my problems. It doesn't mean that I'm not hurting or, or sad. Um, but it does give me an opportunity to find joy in yeah. that, in that gratitude. Yeah, and I think I think again, thinking outside of ourselves, you know, recognizing that, um, recognizing that God has a plan for the world, which was another kind of point that I made, not just a plan for us individually, but a mm-hmm. plan for the world. You know, sometimes that can be more comforting for some because you know not all of us have the you know the happy parts of our stories, and we, you know, and so we may have to dig really deep to to see the things that we can be thankful for because yeah. of our yeah. life experiences but the idea that there is a god who understands the problem that is in the world you yeah. know of sin and brokenness and broken relationships and families all the different things that have led to where you might find yourself today yeah. and the idea that he has a plan for that You know, it's not just he has a plan for me, but he has a plan to make right the things that are wrong in this world. And that, I think, is a a place where we can find hope. And then again, hope leads to, um, you know, that joy. Yeah. And it's kind of that ultimate, like, yes, we're waiting for the baby to be born, but actually we're waiting for the second coming. Right. We're waiting for Jesus to come and for his kingdom to reign uh, and for all to be made right. Do you think that, that in history that the the waiting in advent was equal, always equally focused on Jesus and the second coming or was there kind of more of a focus on the second coming i wondered that's a good question i don't know yeah. um 
I wonder if we've kind of like shifted Advent to be more about the Christmas story. Whereas I wonder, I, you know, I don't know this for sure, whether the, whether the church historically um, used Advent as a time to, to look forward, you know, use the story as an illustration of what God's going to do, but it's really about what God's going to do that Mm -hmm. should capture our attention at this time of year. Yeah, what's still coming. Yeah. Ah, I'd be fun, fun to look into that. Um, Yeah. I think about some of the hymns, like some of the songs we sing, you know, because there is a, there is often a, um, a second coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It is funny. Like, so picking, picking songs in this season, um, I, I always feel that tension. I mean, we didn't sing, well, we did sing joy to the world, uh, this Sunday. Um, it's this weird tension because Advent should be like pre Jesus, but like almost every Christmas carol we, we have, um, talks of about Jesus like he's yeah. here he's come he's like yeah. it's it's happened which is not quite the season but it is like it takes us from the like waiting for him to come to the like through he's here and then the waiting for him to come which is where we find ourselves now yeah um so yeah it is this this fun fun tension living as a people in three times the past of waiting for the baby Jesus the current of waiting and then the future of when he's in fact, here. So yeah, and I think didn't we sing? We sang "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." We did, right? yeah. O come, o which come. I, which I think really does, um, you know, kind of point to like uh, to the future, right? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. yeah. We'll ransom captive Israel. Yeah, yeah. so good. Um, well, we're we're out of time for today, but we'll be back next week with more postscript talking about peace. Any other closing thoughts for us, Paul? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, the last thing I would just say, and I've used this illustration before, I love it. The idea that, you know, I I mentioned on Sunday that, you know, where if you are stuck in the wilderness and uh, you hear the sound of a chopper, it brings joy uh, to whatever our circumstances are. And I've used this illustration before, but I do really see Christmas as the sound of the chopper. It's that it it is that picture that something is coming and it's going to save us. And uh, wherever you find yourself today, my prayer is that God brings you joy this season, yeah. um, even those for little moments. And in those moments, um, may you just uh, rejoice and and thank God for them. And uh, and you know that's my that's my prayer for you. Amen. Thanks for listening along. We'll be back next week with more postscript. <laughs>